All right, let's go to Luke chapter 2, 41 to 52. All right, if you're ready, let's read together on 3, 1, 2, 3. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why are you treated? treated? Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Amen. This is the word of God. Uh, let me pray one more time. Let's go into the word. Father God, we lift up this word and we ask God that you would set it on fire, God, and you would use it to transform us from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So before we go into the word, I just wanted to point out something that fascinated me, and, and it's, it's numbers and it's it's um it's really interesting how God uses symbolism to speak a kind of story within the story and he does it do you guys remember five bread two fish 12 baskets left over so seven is a number of perfection and 12 is a number of completion and, and God is actually speaking another story within that story, a gospel message. And God does that a lot throughout scripture. Whenever you see the number three, you know, how long was Jesus dead? Three days. You know, that, that's something that's repeated over and over again. Twelve disciples, twelve tribes of Israel. These numbers continue to show up throughout scripture. And whenever it does, I'm not saying we get weird and we make stuff up out, out of it. But, but when God uses these numbers, a lot of times he's speaking a story within a story. And in today's passage, it says when Jesus was 12 years old. Amen. When the time was complete, and how long was he lost for? Three days. Three days. Do you see anything else? So this is the feast of the Passover. All right. Do you guys remember what the feast of the Passover was? Do you guys remember what Passover was? Any, any Sunday school people up in here? You guys remember Passover? Out of the 10 plagues, it was the last plague you guys remember when, when God was rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt and he sent all these different plagues and the last one was that their firstborn would die. And he said to the, 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 he said to the Israelites, if you do this, you will not die. And what he had them do is kill a lamb and get the blood of the lamb and paint the door. And he said, if you do that, the, the spirit of death, the, the, the Lord, the spirit of death is going to pass over those houses. And the Israelites who had done that got delivered from that, right? Amen? So in, we see that the, the story that is being told here is when the time was completed, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is here as the Lamb, as a Passover Lamb. 
And and by doing that, he was going to bring deliverance just like God brought deliverance to the Israelites back in the days of Egypt. And he was going to do that in a way where he's going to be gone for three days and he's going to return. Hallelujah. Amen. Here in and of itself, there's a gospel message. And, and that's just to awaken us to open our eyes and see Jesus's gospel message all throughout the Bible. And you'll get blessed. Amen. Now, going into the word, as I was meditating on this word, I thought it was really, I was meditating on this. I thought it was really funny. Can you imagine the pressure of having been parents of Jesus? Where, you know, like when Jesus is a boy, right? And you're the dad, you're the mom, and you're like, hey, Jesus, come here. Let me teach you something. And you're like, you know, one plus one is two. And he's expecting like, whoa, you know? But Jesus be like, yeah, dad? Well, E equals MC squared. You know, like Jesus is like, do you know, dad, do you know that, do you know how many stars there are in the sky? I do. In fact, I've named them all. Do you even, do you know, do you, do you know, dad, how many hair there are on your head? I do. <laughs> you know, like, can you imagine the kind of pressure that, that, that the parents went through? And can you imagine in this story, right? Can you imagine the, the awkwardness when they prayed, when they lost Jesus? You know, when they lost Jesus, they, want, they went on for a whole day and they're like, oh, where's Jesus? Can you imagine the prayer? Like, God, um, you know, like, you know that Messiah you gave us? <laughs> like, the Savior, you know? Do you know where he is? <laughs> you know, like, I was just, I thought that was so funny um, how they lost Jesus. And I was also thinking how common that is, right? How common it is for us to kind of lose Jesus and, and kind of go either ahead of him or, or fall behind him. And in today's message, it's going to be about how to not do that because, you know, it's so imperative that we walk in step with Jesus, you know, Jesus, even in fact, he said this, he said, whatever I see the father doing, I do. That is a way to live in our lives is to walk in step in sync with Jesus. Amen. So Mary and Joseph kind of blew it for a whole day. They lost. They didn't even realize that Jesus was not with them. And, and before you judge them, you got to realize we do this all the time. That sometimes one day, sometimes it's not even one day. It's maybe sometimes a year. Sometimes it's like a whole 10 years. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's like 10 years before you realize that you haven't been really walking with Jesus. And you know what a lot of people do is they just do whatever the heck they want and they say, Jesus, bless it. That's not walking with Jesus. That's using Jesus. Amen. So we got to understand, we got to start to learn what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And there are two things that usually kind of take us away from walking with Jesus. Do you guys remember the prodigal son story where there was a kid, there was a father and there was a younger kid and an older kid. That story shows us two different reasons why we're moved. We're, we are kind of taken away from Jesus. Number one is sin. Number one is your delight of a certain sin. There's something that in that story, if you look at that story, the, the younger son walked away from the father's house because he wanted to sin. He, he just wanted to party it up. 
And that's the first thing that keeps you kind of walking away. And that's the obvious one, right? That's the obvious one that keeps you away from Jesus. That's why Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, the step one is deny yourself. There's some kind of a sin because Jesus does not walk in the path of sin. Amen. He, his direction is not towards sin. So if you, if there's some kind of a sin that has a hold of you, chances are you're walking another direction from Jesus. Amen. There's something, and, and to just to be honest, for me, I left the church a couple of years ago. And you're like, whoa, pastor, you know, how dare you? You're a pastor. I'm human too. And I was, I was, there was certain sins that I loved. And I was cherishing it. Of course, I was doing it behind closed doors. And I was cherishing these. And the thing about sin is that sin grows in the dark. Amen. Sin grows in the dark and the sins that you do not expose to the light of Jesus will continue to grow until it leads you astray. That's what happened for me. I did not leave Jesus because I stopped believing in Jesus. I didn't leave the church because I stopped believing in Jesus. I left the church because I love my sin. And I went towards sin wholeheartedly until I found in that story, this is in Luke 15, in that story, uh, the prodigal son does not repent. He does not change directions until he starts eating pig food. That's exactly what happened to me. I, I, waked, I woke up one day and saw eat, myself eating so pretty much pig food. I was basically on the ground struggling, and my life was just in shell. Because that's what sin will do. It will make you into a zombie, lifeless. And, and finally, I came to my senses, it says in Luke 15. He came to his senses, and he realized, man, even the servants at my father's house have better food than this. So he returns. That's what happened to me. Number two, so number one is sin. And, and the thing is, if you bring sin out into the open, that's why Bible says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins. Because as you bring sin out on the open, then th that sin will lose power in Jesus' name. Amen. You bring it, you confess it to your brothers, you confess it to your sister, you confess it to Jesus, and allow him to take it away from you. Amen. Number two is older son. You guys remember the story where the older son was actually in the house. And then the younger son, after parting it up, after sinning his head off, he returns home and the father gives this beautiful display of the father's love and returns him. He, he robes him again. He gives him the authority ring and he gives him sandals and he brings him back into the house. But then what is the older son doing? He's pouting. And he's angry and he's bitter. And he says, all these ears, I've been slaving for you. All these ears. And, and you didn't even give me a little animal for me to party it up with my family, with my friends. And he's, so you can see that that son, even though he was in the church, he was in the father's house, he was not really there. And this is the second thing is when it's either you're completely given to a life of sin or you're legalistic. And when you're legalistic, what happens is that, and I used to do this, where you start placing words in God's mouth. You guys know what I'm saying? That you start to pressure yourself of the things that God is saying to you when he wasn't even saying that to you. You know what I mean? Where I would walk past people, and, and there was a season where I couldn't even walk past, you know, people that were needy because I felt so pressured. I felt so guilty because I thought God was saying, Eugene, why aren't you loving that person? And I would make decisions, not according to a direct relationship with God, but according to this messed up version that I had of God. 
And then after many, many years of accusing God and then being angry and pouting, I realized the person that I was really angry at wasn't really Jesus. You know, we misunderstand. And what a lot of times the reason why we do this is because we have a misunderstanding of who God is. So the second is having a misunderstanding of who the Father really is. And then we start to develop this image of God, and we almost start to develop a, a narrative or, or just a dialogue from God that God isn't really saying. And that's dangerous. That's equally as dangerous as a younger son. A lot of people leave the church because of that. Because they're so offended, they're so tired of living up to this impossible standard that God didn't even say. That's number two. Number three, though, is in this passage. It says, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. After three days, they found him again in the temple courts. Now check this out. It says, he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All right. One more time. Can you say that with me? Listening and asking. All right. So he was listening to the teachers and asking them questions. But then check this out. In verse 47, isn't this interesting? What does it say? Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Isn't that weird? What was he doing? He was listening and asking questions. They were amazed at what? His understanding and his answers. He didn't ask it. He didn't, have, he didn't speak any answers. So this is a principle we got to take away. When God asks questions, he's actually giving answers. You guys remember when in Genesis... Adam and Eve sinned. What did, what did God say? Where are you? Did he ask because he didn't know where Adam was? No, he's God. He asked that question, and that question in and of itself was an answer to their condition. He was saying, hey, you are far, you have been, you have been removed far from me because of your sin. I cannot see you. I am separated from you because of your sin. Do you, are you following me? So when God is asking questions, when God asks you questions, it's actually him giving you answers. Now let's apply that. It says, so Mary and, and, and his parents, so Mary and Joseph were astonished. And his mother, Mary, says to him, son, why have you treated us like this? First of all, I'm like, woman, you lost him. Amen? Dude, it's your job to take care of your son. Why are you, why are you accusing Jesus? Right? But she says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. What does she say? This is a question. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That's the question. Okay. So in that, the question is, what's the real question? What is this question answering? This question is answering, why did Mary and Joseph lose Jesus? That's the question that this question that Jesus is asking is answering. Are you guys following me? Why did they, even though this is Jesus, why did they lose Jesus for a whole day? What was really going on? And in this question is the answer. What Jesus is revealing through this question, did you notice the kind of the tongue-in-cheek um, answer that Jesus is giving? He's saying, hey, he's speaking to his parents. He's saying, hey, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Do you guys get it? Jesus is saying, hey, do you not? The reason why you lost me is because you thought, you, 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 kinda, you finally came to a place where you started thinking 
that you are the real parents of me. That's why you lost me. Let me explain. What the third principle, the first one is sin. Sin will drive you away from Jesus. Number two is having a misunderstanding, misconception of God. Number three is calling the moment you start to call mine what God has allowed in your life, that thing will drive you away. The Bible says everything in this life belongs to God. Amen. Everything in this life, everything that created belongs to God. But the moment you say, this is mine, that very thing that you think you possess will possess you. And that's the problem. When you start to consider it as mine, my precious. You guys remember Lord of the Rings and Gollum? Do you guys remember how the moment he started considering the ring, the ring that to rule all the rings, when he said, this is my, this is my precious, that ring owned him. The moment when Abraham started to look at Isaac and started saying, this is my son, Isaac owned him. That's why God had him sacrifice Isaac. It's because he said, he was basically saying, you think you have your son? No, your son now possesses you. You are now a slave because you are a slave to the things that you think you have. Even though I'm married to Erin, she is my wife. I will not be able to treat her well if I think she's mine. Primarily, she's not mine. Primarily, she is God's. Secondarily, she's my wife. And anything, think about anything in your life right now that you consider that's mine. My time, my energy, my talent, my beauty. That thing owns you right now. And that thing will drag you away from Jesus. It will take you to places that you do not want to go. It will actually make you forget about the Savior of the world. Because now it owns you. You're in his hands. Whatever it is. And we are meant to live with open hands like this. This is the only safe way to live. It is not... Your energy is not your energy. It belongs to God. Your time is not your time. And do you know how you know what are the things that what are the things that possess you right now? What happens if you're inconvenienced? Some people say, God, my life is yours, my time is yours. But what if someone comes and inconveniences you, takes your time away? What do you say? It's my time. Isn't that true? Most of the lashing out in your life is because you have a misunderstanding about it. You think it belongs to you. It doesn't. It belongs to God. And Jesus, by asking, he's saying, do you not understand that I, I'm his? Remember, mom? Remember, dad? I belong to Father God in heaven. My mom, bless her, I love her, but she was like that. She misunderstood, and she thought I was her son. She thought I was her son, and so she tried, and she pushed me, and she, 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 did, she, she um, pressured me night and day, telling me to go to an Ivy League school because I was hers. You will mistreat whatever you think is yours. 
And, and she drove me until I was literally just, I was broken as a person. I hated myself for a season because I thought that I was just a means to an end, which it was. And I had to confront her. And one of the things I had to tell her was, mom, it's my life. And you know how, how stupid that sounds, but that had to be said. And the moment I said that something broke and it was surprising to her. She was like offended. She was literally offended. She was like, wait, what? No, you're mine. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm God's. And you have to treat me accordingly. Does that make sense? And, and that happens in our lives more than you know. So the challenge today is do an inventory of, of even your emo- strong emotional re- reactions and responses and look at what are the things that it crept up on you probably. But what are the things that you're saying, this is mine? Do you know that even your body is not yours? The Bible actually says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple. You don't get to do whatever you want in it. Can you imagine if someone came into this church and just started spray painting this church and and fogging this church? You would say, no, that's wrong. And yet we we do whatever we want to our bodies. Your time is not your time. And if your money is not your money, tithing at the end of the day is just showing God, God, this is yours anyway. That's, that's, that's what tithing is. If it was yours, you would take it after you die. But every person who died left behind their wealth. It's not ours to begin with. So there has to be an Abraham-Isaac moment. And I, I believe each person has probably one that they're really susceptible to. It might be your career. It might be your looks. It might be your time. Whatever it is, there has to be an Abraham-Isaac moment where you lay that down at God's feet and you finally surrender it to the Lord. For me, it was, there was this moment in, in college where I had to surrender intelligence. I, I was one of those people that I had to ha- have everything figured out. And I would just spend literally hours walking around in college figuring everything out because for me, that was the way to salvation. And so I would walk around for hours reasoning. I would walk away for hours thinking about all these different issues in my head until God led me to one particular question. And Holy Spirit, I I heard him so clearly. He said, Eugene, I'm not going to give you the answer to this question yet, but will you believe? And it literally felt like an Abraham Isaac moment where I felt, I was like, no, God, I need the answer. And God said, no, no, I'm not going to give it to you yet. Will you believe? And I had to lay down my need for answers and just believe. And it was a scary feeling. It felt like I was jumping off a cliff. The crazy part is after a couple of months, God gave me the answer to that particular, it was was about salvation. God gave me the answer to that particular question, but intelligence or, or that need to have the answers no longer had a hold on me. It was no longer a barrier for me. I was set free from it. When God tells you to sacrifice things, it's not to harass you, it's to set you free. He's basically saying, do you not know that that thing has a hold on you and I have created you to be free? Um, Sam, could you come up, please? 
Uh, we're going to spend a couple moments responding to the message. Uh, it's really easy to walk away from a message like this and say, okay, that was a good message, and walk away and forget about it. That's the last thing that you, you, we can do right now. You need, we need this to translate into action. There's something. I don't believe it's a coincidence that God raised up this word for this week for this people. There's a reason. So as Sam um, strums, spend a couple moments, and then probably God already spoke to you what it is. Spend a couple moments asking the Lord, what is my Isaac? What is that thing that possesses me right now? And allow the Holy Spirit to bring you to the altar and lift up that sacrifice to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, um, I believe some of us here may have been wondering why it is that we've been walking so long with you and yet there seems to be no fruit. And to us, God, you are asking, do you not know that you are the owner of it all, that you, everything belongs to you? Do you not know? Lord, we ask God, Holy Spirit, that you would start to work in our hearts and drive us to that place, take us to that place where we finally lay down the Isaac of our lives, God. We would lay it down and let you take over. Let you take over. Let you truly be the Lord of it all. That we would realize everything, God, are just alone. Everything is alone, God. That you have lent these things to us all the time, God. All the energy, all the intelligence, and even the brilliance, God, is of you and from you and is for you, Lord. So help us take an open hands approach to life, Jesus. Help us let go and let you take over. It's in Jesus' name, amen.